the Long Story Short Podcast with Liz Calloway. Welcome to the Long Story Short, the weekly podcast on Burn Media. I'm Liz Calloway. If you're enjoying the Long Story Short, be sure to like it and share it with your friends. We all need to work together to save America. And now on with the show. It's Long Story Short with Liz Calloway. It's been about a month since Roe v. Wade was officially overturned, though we knew it was coming for months ahead of time. And I haven't done a podcast since the actual official overturning of Roe v. Wade. I was still trying to wrap my head around it. And as uh, as you know, I'm pro-life and, and I've spoken out about abortion so many times on my Talk 94.5 radio show, as well as on this podcast. And I just was trying to process all the rhetoric that was coming out of the left. I was watching these protests unfold, and I will look into these eyes of these people, mostly women, marching in such hatred for their own bodies, hatred for life. Um, This self-centeredness was just too much for me to actually watch. I had to stop watching it. Um, I saw the ugliness, and I just couldn't keep watching it. And we saw all the violence that was going on uh, against pro-life clinics. Those are the clinics that help women during pregnancy crisis, if you want to call it that. Uh, They help women that uh, didn't plan on being pregnant make the right decision about their bodies. They don't stop women from getting abortions. They don't perform abortions, but they'll talk to them about the real options that they have, the real options that exist. Now, I happen to have my radio studio next to uh, Coastline Women's Center, which uh, here in South Carolina is known for helping women Uh, But not only through that nine-month period, but really for three years of the baby's life and the mother's life. So leading up to the pregnancy, up to the three-year-old birthday of that baby, they provide all this support spiritually, physically, financially, mentally, all of it. But they also help women heal who have had abortions. You know, I think about the women and and the families that have gone through abortion. And I couldn't even imagine how they feel if they feel regret. Just can't put myself there. It's too powerful and too sad. It's very, very sad. Could you imagine aborting a child and then regretting aborting a child um, to have that hanging over you? It takes a lot to overcome that. Jeannie Carter, who is, you know, she and her husband have created this Coastline Women's Center, talks about that healing process all the time because she has gone through it herself and she's made it a life's mission. You know, on this podcast, I've interviewed Dr. Kathy Altman, a former abortion doctor who never had an abortion herself, did have pregnancies and babies herself. She had to beg for forgiveness from God and uh, dedicates her life now to fighting abortion. Um, She sees the wrongs and she knows all the intricacies of it and she knows what could happen and she is battling it as as an evil in society. Speaking of ugly faces, one of the things that just 
really punched me in the gut was to hear Anna Navarro on CNN while they were covering the protests that were breaking out in front of the Supreme Court on the day it overturned Roe v. Wade. Here's what she had to say. I have not anybody to tell you what you need to do with your life or with your uterus. And because I have a family with a lot of special needs kids. I have a brother who's 57 and has the mental and motor skills of a one-year-old. And I know what that means financially, emotionally, physically for a family. And I know not all families can do it. And I have a step-granddaughter who was born with Down syndrome. And you know what? It is very difficult in Florida to get services. It is not as easy as it sounds on paper. And I've got another, another step-grandson who is uh, very autistic, who has autism, and it is incredible. And their mothers and, their, and people who are in that society, who are in that community, will tell you that they've considered suicide because that's how difficult it is to get help because that's how lonely they feel, because they can't get other jobs, because they have financial issues, because the care that they're able to give their other children suffers. And so why can I be Catholic and still think this is a wrong decision? Because I'm American. I'm Catholic inside the church. I'm Catholic when it comes to me. But there's a lot of Americans who are not Catholic and are not Christian and are not Baptist. And you have no damn right to tell them what they should do with their bodies. Is that the most repulsive thing that you can? I mean, I could, I, uh, on so many levels, I cannot process that there are people walking this earth with those thoughts and feelings. And then you give them a microphone and a platform and a cable TV spot. It's just shocking to me. What she is saying is so, it, it, I, it's, you know what, you know, I'm glad she said it. You know why I'm glad she said it? Because I hope many people have the reaction that I do. You know, there are no guarantees in life. Anything could happen to you at any time. There's uh, injuries and accidents, head injuries, brain trauma, right? Brain damage can happen. Uh, someone can have a stroke. Someone could have a fall, a car accident, a motorcycle accident. Someone can have an accident while being born. Um, you know, the baby was perfectly fine in the womb, but something happens on the way out. Or something could happen in utero and surgeries can be performed. We even talked to Dr. Ben Carson about that. You heard that on the podcast. According to Anna Navarro, it seems that her relatives regret having the children they have because of the special needs they have been born with. Is she recommending that people who have children in utero that they know have special needs, like uh, there's tests that can be performed, uh, they should all be aborted because it's just a, too much of a financial strain and a mental stress to have a child with disability? Well, how does that apply for children who are two years old that fall down, hit their head, and become disabled? Should we now kill those children too? It's the most unbelievable thing that she's saying. It's so dangerous. It's so dark, and it's evil. 
That is the definition of evil, in my book anyway. But what's so funny about it is that eight months ago, just eight short months ago, before the leak came out for Roe v. Wade, before the court officially overturned Roe v. Wade, Anna Navarro said this for Down Syndrome Awareness Month. October is Down Syndrome Awareness Month. It is a month that is very dear to my heart because of my husband's Al's sweet granddaughter, Lily. There are over 400,000 Americans with Down Syndrome. Uh, you know, Caroline, now they're looking Lily's at pictures. mom, calls themselves, they, she, they call themselves the lucky few because yeah. they get to live life through the most innocent, purest of eyes. And this month celebrates their abilities and accomplishments, their advocates and their families who are working to change the stigma around Down syndrome. For more information, please head to our website. The stigma around Down syndrome. She is the one that is creating the worst stigma of all. That Down syndrome people have no reason to live. And their families are burdened with them. And they should be murdered. That's what she said. Hey, there's a country, I believe it's Norway, that is celebrating the fact that they've eradicated Down syndrome. And I said, wow, how did they do that? I started reading the article. And it says because they abort all the babies. (laughs) They abort all the babies that have Down syndrome and they feel that they have solved that problem. You know, these people are crazy. I, I mean, you don't have to be Catholic. You don't have to be Christian. You just have to be human to understand the disgusting characterization of disabled people being a burden on society, so much so that they shouldn't have the right to live. I have a child with special needs, not Down syndrome, but special needs that has uh, altered the path I thought she would follow. And so I don't regret having my child by no means, Uh, It's been difficult. It's been a a tremendous financial strain uh, while she was growing up for sure. But who am I? I I am a vessel for God. My hands belong to God. My brain, the way I think, is to serve God. Who am I to think that I should decide who lives and who dies? That's not my child. I mean, she is my child, but you know what I'm saying. That's not my child to do with what I want to do with the child. It's not my property. She belongs to God. She is serving God in the way she serves God. Who am I to tell her, you don't get that right. Sorry. This is something that is brewing in this country forever, this dark, deep evil that people are so self-centered to believe that they are the most important thing on this planet. It is such a, it's it's a, um, I think it's a mental 
problem. I think Anna Navarro is, she's got some real psychotic issues there. And I'm no doctor, but, but to me, man, I just wondered what was going through the minds of her relatives. I, I can't get over that. Like, if I heard her say that about my child, that there's such a financial strain. And, and look at her. Eight months before, she's showing pictures of her beautiful step-grandchild. And everybody on the panel, oh, oh, look how cute she is. She's adorable. She's the light of their life. They said it. She said they said that. But Anna Navarro thinks she's better off dead because everybody would be better for it. What a selfish piece of crap that woman is. She's the most disgusting. It's the most vile thing. But you know what? There were thousands of women marching in the streets thinking the same exact thing. And you can see it in their eyes, the black in their eyes, the darkness. And these people, they don't want to stop there. They're not stopping at abortions. They want to make sure that you have the ability to end your life if it's, you know, if, you, if you're having issues. You know, there's this big push for medically assisted suicide. But in Canada, they don't call it that. They call it MAID, M-A-I-D. In Canada, you do not have to have a terminal illness to be eligible for MAID, medical assistance in dying. Assisted suicide became legal in Canada in 2016, but only for those who were terminally ill, where natural death was reasonably foreseeable. But that wasn't enough for them. No, 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 that wasn't enough. They took it another step further with a bill called C-7, It replaced the language. Now it says, for those who cannot be relieved under conditions that you consider acceptable. Now there's a woman in Canada. Her name is, let's just say, Ms. Thompson. She got COVID last year. And she says that she has a lot of fatigue and long COVID symptoms that are just lingering on and on. She's unable to do her physically demanding job of of being a chef and that even getting a glass of water now is a major task. She went from being able-bodied to basically bed-bound. Now, I don't know if she had the vaccine. I don't know if she had any treatments. I don't know if she has any other underlying conditions. I don't know if she's been able to see every doctor possible you know, the, the medical system in Canada, you're worth more dead than alive. I mean, the, the, the system is just designed that way because it's single-payer system. So she's saying she has very little capacity, quote, to expend the energy physically, mentally, and emotionally. So she just stays home all the time. She doesn't have a life. It sounds like she's depressed. And... Since the long COVID symptoms she has are not clearly outlined in the Ontario Disability Support Program, she doesn't know if, um, you know, she's even eligible to receive disability checks. And even if she were to get them, um, it would never be enough to support herself. 
So she has a lot of concerns there. Now, this happens to a lot of people. They get some sort of illness and they can't work and now they can't support themselves and they get some kind of disability and they have to scale back on a lot of things and maybe downsize. And I mean, it happens. Life throws you curveballs. But should you commit suicide over it? Well, in Canada, they think you do. So right now in Canada, an applicant needs two independent doctors or nurse practitioners to confirm the person meets the criteria of having a grievous and irremediable medical condition, being a, quote, in an advanced state of decline that cannot be reversed, and experiencing unbearable physical or mental suffering from your illness, disease, disability, or state of decline that cannot be relieved under conditions that you consider acceptable. She says uh, she hopes she qualifies. It may take quite a bit of time before they qualify her, but she's already on her way to getting a second opinion. It boils down to this. How expensive is it for a disabled person to live? It's expensive. Chronic conditions cost money. They cost medications. You know, people try everything in their power to stay healthy so they don't have to pay for all these expensive medications. But sometimes life takes twists and turns and you don't know what's going to happen to you the moment you get into your vehicle and drive to work. Your life can change in an instant. In Canada, they give you an out that is actually, I I guess, seen to be noble for the greater good. Isn't that the definition of communism? Ms. Thompson said to Canadian TV, quote, the government as a body is telling people that they're willing to assist them in death because they don't have enough money to live with dignity. That is a pretty clear signal to me that unless you are able-bodied enough or able-minded enough to work to produce profit, then you don't have any place here. That seems really clear to me. That's what she said. Starting next year in Canada, they're going to extend, extend this medically assisted assistance in dying in Canada to include mental illness, even if it's the only condition. That is absolutely insane. Under the MAID scheme, the applicant can choose either to have a physician administer a lethal substance or prescribe the drug for them that the person can take themselves. They use powerful sedatives, propofol, midazolam, and rocuronium, as published in their Medical Association Journal. Very interesting, huh? You can't do lethal injection for death penalty here in America because no country will be the one to say on record, we're the ones that supply the medications for the death penalty. They're like, oh no, we want nothing to do it. But hey, if you want to kill, consider killing yourself because you're sick and depressed, we'll give you the drugs for that. No problem. But if you want to kill and execute Someone that has killed multiple people who has chopped them up and eaten them. Uh, no, no, we can't do that. No, we're not going to give you the drugs for that. I mean, it's the most hypocritical, unbelievable, mind-blowing thing. I, I mean, I can't even make sense of it. I can't make sense of it. I'm sorry. The long story short is keep your eyes open because they are coming for us. And if we're turning our minds and our hearts away from God, and we're not serving God the way God believes we should be living our lives, then what is the purpose of any of us being on this planet? 
If our main purpose is to get rid of people that are a burden, that's going to be all of us eventually. I don't understand it. It seems to me when I look at the Wuhan flu getting out of the lab and it targeted people who are sick, people who are elderly, but it spared the young, the able-bodied working person, that seemed like it was by design. That's like a China dream right there because they were able to kill off all the people that were dependent on the government and were useless to the government and it kept alive all the working slaves because that's what you are in a communist country. You work for the government and everything you earn and everything you own is not yours. You don't own anything in a communist government. So I say, we need to fight this thing as best as possible. And we're, we, you know, we're making progress, but we have to make sure we elect people who think like us, that life is precious. Every life is precious. The Long Story Short Podcast with Liz Calloway. Thank you for downloading Long Story Short. If you need to reach me, you can always email me at LizCallawayLLC at gmail.com. That's Callaway with all A's. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a review, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, I'm Liz Calloway.